That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Aaron, uh, happy uh, happy liturgical New Year to you. This is uh, the first Sunday of Advent, Woo-hoo! and uh, we have done uh, two years now. This is... Uh, this is um, round three of our of a three-year cycle. Yeah, we began in year C. Now we're in right. year A. We've been in year A, and now with the first Sunday of Advent, the beginning of the church new year, we turn into year A, preserving a timeless... Year B. Uh, yeah, year B, a timeless... At the end of this coming year, we'll have completed a timeless classic in the, in the literature of homiletics. I mean, it's going to be up there with the Book of Homilies, St. John Mm -hmm. of Chrysostom, Got Nothing on Us. I mean, just the sheer weight of content that we've created. It's good. It'll be one for the ages. It'll be great. And dear listener, you've gotten to track along the whole way. Yeah. So... For what Tell that's us worth. a little bit about it. <laughs> let's remind our let's remind our listeners a little bit what Advent's all about. So Advent uh, for our new to the Anglican Episcopal tradition, but recently Baptist listeners who've heard about this thing. Uh, Advent is a word that comes from the Latin Adventus, and it means coming or arriving, arrival. And it is the time in the church year, it begins the church year because it, it sort of begins that phase of waiting for the arrival mm-hmm. of Jesus. The church year is, is structured around the life of Christ. And so this is the beginning of that as we wait for his birth at Christmas. And it's a time also uh, to reflect. It's actually in many ways as you prepare for God's arrival, both remembering his first coming and awaiting his second coming, it's a time to not be blithe and uh, just sort of uh, put your head in the sand and get wrapped up in the Hallmark movies of the season, which those are great things, and man, we need them this time of year more than ever. But we'll, we'll be, because of circumstances around us, doing one of those other important things that Advent is about, which is to reflect on uh, the brevity of life, the reality mm. of sin, uh, and the fact that we need help. I would say if I could sum up Advent in one word, it would be help. It is Mm. basically an acknowledgement that the world is a mess, that we can't fix it, and we need someone to help us. And so it's looking both to when Christ came the first time to begin the process of restoring and reconciling all things and looking very much ahead to when he will do that finally and forever. Because I don't know about you, man, but... Not every day is a bowl of cherries. No, no. And uh, as a matter of fact, if 2020 uh, has done anything, it has uh, reminded us that um, it has reminded us that we are um, that we are all in need of help. And uh, and so a lot of people reference Advent as kind of like a mini Lent. And um, yeah, there's a but, penitential uh, yeah. nature to it a little bit. 
It puts us in touch with our creatureliness. And Sober so, reflection. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and uh, that's so really. I mean, I think 2020 is going to um, really. I think should hit ad should make Advent kind of hit us in a fresh way, if you if you if if you will. Yeah, I think so. so. And um, I, you know, I think if you do Advent right, which is to say, you don't. And I'm not the Advent police, and I'm not gonna. I see you, Sarah Condon, with your Facebook posts about setting up the Christmas decorations early, and uh, and I, I I send you a virtual uh, high five on that because I know it's a hard time for everybody, but I think the idea, at least, and you could set up all the Christmas decorations in the world, by the way, listeners, and it will not change the adventiness of this Advent season. I mean, if mm-hmm. you do Advent right, it puts you in touch with your need and the world's need so that when we remember the birth of Christ on Christmas, we feel joy and hope, mm-hmm. the thrill of hope, um, that there's sort of a new day dawning. If you sort of skip over Advent, you just have this kind of neat thing, this baby's born, there's some angels and some shepherds, and it's great, and there's a star, and isn't that cool? But you sort of miss the the reason for the season, and that, by which I don't mean just it's amazing that Jesus was born. You sort of miss why he had to come in the first place in such a miraculous way, which is to save a world in need. So anyways, Advent, yeah, it has that penitential, somber tone. It's The, the music is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which is in a minor key, and uh, the collects, the prayers, the readings all sort of reflect this season. So if you're in an Episcopal mm. or Anglican church, you will, and, and Catholic church, you'll feel that more than like jingle bells and... I, you know, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas and that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Although I think I'm going to be blasting Christmas music a little bit this year. So, but, uh, um, Mary, did you uh, know? Yeah, that's right. Um, but, and to, to your point, our, our readings open up with that. Our reading today, uh, from the first Sunday of, uh, for the first Sunday of Advent, uh, we have, um, well, our readings are Isaiah 64 verses one through nine. We have first Corinthians chapter one verses three through nine. And uh, Mark chapter 13, 24 through 37. Um, especially Isaiah and Mark are, are, are very apocalyptic and uh, are very reflective of the themes of Advent. And uh, we have this, um, towards the end of Isaiah, the people have been um, released, essentially. This is uh, kind of the end of the book. And uh, the people have been released from exile uh, to, due to Cyrus of Persia. And, uh, but instead of uh, singing a happy song, instead of singing uh, Merry Christmas, uh, what we get from the people of Israel returning from exile is a song of lament. And, uh, you know, and uh, you see things, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. Uh, from ages past, no one has heard, nor ear has perceived, nor eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait on him. You have, we all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Uh, this is really a good one, and St. Paul quotes this one, There's no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you've hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hands of iniquity. This is a, this is a very um, kind of interesting prayer, interesting song to be singing when uh, you were coming out of exile. But what do you think is going on here, Aaron? Well, I think there's a lot of things that are very adventy here. I think one is an honest appraisal of the human condition and not mm. and not saying that the human condition is something bad out there in the people that I don't like and don't agree with me, but an acknowledgement that the human condition 
lives in my house, uh, namely in my heart. Uh, and mm. it says, all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. I mean, there's this recognition that even when we do good things, we're often like, hey, look at me. Look how great I am. Like there's a self-absorption, uh, uh, a self-centeredness to it, and a desire for credit, and kind of egoic. It's, it's like, you know, you're doing something good for other people to build up your own ego. And so there's a recognition of sin. There's, a rec- there's an honest look at the human condition. It's a, this is step one in an AA meeting. This is... Our life has become unmanageable and we're powerless to change it. But so that's one big theme that's that runs through Advent. But there's also this this hope. There is a note of hope here. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter that uh, you will. You know, we belong to you. And ultimately, you father. I mean, that's a, a, a family relationship. You will restore us is the tone here. You know, do not remember our iniquity forever. And of course, we know that. That's the kind of prayer that God hears, because we know from Scripture that um, a humble and contrite heart is what uh, gets God's attention. And uh, so, all that to say is, these are the two big themes I think of Advent that yeah. you get right here from the beginning: self, on, like honesty with yourself, and 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 hope, even in the midst yeah. of realizing how bad things might be. Absolutely, I think it's really that is a that's a real important uh, thing to preach. I mean, this passage really you can hammer home that proper distinction between law and gospel very clearly. You know, we all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. I mean, that is literally the result of our of our sin. Yeah. You know, we fade like a leaf, and you just look outside and you see the leaves dying and fall. You know, and um, and uh, and the important part of that image is that uh, a leaf. When the leaf falls, that's when it dies, when it's no longer connected to the vine, you know? Yep. Um, and uh, that is completely a result of our iniquity. However, so you have the law there, but right here at the gospel, you have what Advent is all about. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember our iniquity forever. Now consider we are all your people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that emphasis on the all your people. You know, and that is what the hope of Christ is. Um, that is that Jesus has uh, torn down the wall of hostility that exists not only between us and God, but between us and the other. Um, and uh, and Advent looks uh, begins to prepare us when we can honestly look at ourselves. Then we can, um, in humility, uh, honestly reach out to our neighbor. And so, and the hope and the promise of the gospel is, is that because of the blood of Jesus, God is no longer angry with you at all. Uh, he actually, um, because he has uh, imputed Christ's righteous to you and declared you justified, you're no longer under the dominion of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are under the dominion of Christ. So he remembers your iniquity no more. And uh, because of that, um, by his shed blood, you are a Christian and you are indeed are God's people. And, you know, what, the other thing I would just say about this is the urgency of it. Uh, mm, asking yeah. God to tear open heaven. They're not saying, like, make sure you, you know, come up the front driveway and ring the doorbell and mm-hmm. somebody will be with you shortly. Uh, there's not, they're like saying, don't put us on hold, God. We don't want to hear that whole yeah. music. You got to come right away. So rip open the heavens and come down. Be like the Kool-Aid God. Come crashing through. Hey, hey, hey. hey. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, so it's it's an urgent appeal. And I think, again, anybody that's in touch with themselves and paying attention at all in the world these days understands this urgent cry for help. And that's where a lot of people are living right now. If you've lost a job or have 
lost a family member or lost income or all these different things, just the anxiety of this time. I think uh, that that urgency uh, and, and that we need God to do it. This does not begin like, Lord, we'll put everything back together. It's God, please, you come down and do this for us because we cannot. So I think, you know, that's just important to no, that's know. A, and that's, and that, that, and that flows brilliantly into first Corinthians chapter one, verses three through nine. You know, you have, uh, so we begin to check this letter out, this epistle that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And uh, uh, the church in Corinth was a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous mess. Um, You know, that's just, that's the easiest way to put it. And, uh, you know, you had uh, Corinth and Corinth was, um, well, Corinth was a crazy place. You know, Uh, not everyone can vacation in Corinth, Mm. as it was said in those days. And uh, uh, they were uh, infatuated with the God of love. They were infatuated with the God of um, uh, the God of uh, healing. And they were infatuated with the gods of wisdom. You know, the Oracle of Delphi were there. And uh, people in Corinth, the church in Corinth, they weren't asking to tear op- God to tear open the heavens and meet them. They were busy doing their own thing. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like a, a Jesus plus, if you will. And uh, Paul begins to, like, tweak that. And, uh, and he gives us an Advent theme saying, reminding us that it is all God and what God does in our life. Yeah, he will strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And yeah. that's, I think, really so important. So that you are lacking not any spiritual gift. Right. You know, I mean. Yeah. And, and there's this, so the Advent word here is revealing. That's in verse 7. You, and the idea of waiting. You are waiting for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was the Corinthians and this is us. And also, just like the Corinthians were a mess, we are a mess. Um, and Paul will have lots of things to say to them about s- some things they need to get straightened out in their lives. But the key thing is here in verse 8 that God is the one who will strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on yeah. the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. He said, God's going to put your boots on, tie the laces, and help you stand up and uh, and show you the way to go. So, again, yeah. and this is something that, you know, Fleming Rutledge talks about all the time. And she is she is the patron saint of Advent as far as I'm concerned. She's got, you know, she's written so extensively and beautifully about it. Uh, her phrase, and we, I think we've mentioned it probably every liturgical year that we've done this podcast, Advent begins in the dark. And uh, But the other thing that she likes to say, and just to emphasize, is um, who is the subject and who's the object? Uh, oftentimes we make ourselves the subject, the ones that need to do things. And yeah. that's, that's where you get sermons that are full of exhortation to you to do things. Um, but the yeah. message here is what is that God is the subject. God is the one who will do it. Paul does yeah. not say, strengthen yourselves. He says... God will strengthen you to the end. And it also says in verse 6, the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you. Meaning, like, again, mm-hmm. this is, God has already done this. God has given, and then, you know, backing up to verse 4, the grace that God has already given you in Christ Jesus. So, there's this emphasis, again, on God doing all these things in us. And that's, as we wait, as we want God to tear open the heavens and come down, it's good to remember what He's already done for us. He has called us. Yeah. He is faithful. All of that. It's just very affirming in this in, in yeah. this dark time. Yeah, it's important to note. It's just the uh, indicatives are are what need to be yes. emphasized in this par- par- uh, this passage. If you're going to preach, it, emphasize the indicatives because you know spiritual gifts come out of preaching the gospel. They don't they don't make the gospel happen. They're the fruit of the preaching of the gospel. Right. And so that's why they're not lacking any spiritual gifts. As I said, this church was a total mess. 
But uh, Paul comes in there and he preaches the gospel. And it's that which enables spiritual gifts. It's not like, hey, get it together, everybody, so you can have spiritual gifts. Yeah. And so that's that's the good news is that God is... Um, emphasize the the good news is emphasizing the indicatives here yeah and i think i've said this before but you know uh well based on jesus's teaching of how a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit if we're called to be fruitful fruitful for christ that's a tongue twister uh we need to become good trees not Mm. doing what again this is what i was going to get to nadia boltz weber says a lot of christians are just taping fruit on their branches we're just, you're, <laughs> yeah. we're getting out the duct tape and grabbing an apple and just like taping it on there to say, hey, look, I'm fruitful. But there's been no actual internal change. And mm. that internal change, again, you can't make that happen. That comes from the kind of attitude we saw in the Isaiah passage. Um, you see, even your righteous deeds are filthy. You recognize your own shortcomings and narcissism and flaws and all your stuff. You just recognize that stuff and you say, God, I, give me the gospel. I need, I need that. And that belovedness mm. is what produces a tree that then, even if it's a tiny sapling, that begins to be a tree that produces good fruit. And so this, yeah, this is, this is not a passage that says, take fruit to your branches. This is a passage that says, get, get reconnected with what's already true, that you are a tree that has been made good by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, you know, and, uh, and then that moves us right into the gospel where Jesus is talking about lessons from a fig tree. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with you, but it has everything to do with you and what to be watching for. And so we get come to this like very apocalyptic reading. It really takes place in the middle of a teaching um, that uh, Jesus has uh, uh, been uh, speaking to his disciples about in regards to uh, not only the last days of his ministry, but the last days uh, period. And uh, what happens sometimes is, is that why this passage gets confused a little bit is that people don't quite understand where the break is from Jesus's moment to the very end of the age. Mm. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, but he begins by just, so we kind of jump into the middle of this teaching and it says in those days after that suffering. So he begins with this kind of this powerful idea of the unraveling of creation. So if you go back to Genesis chapter one, and this is apocalyptic literature, and it's very important that when you are uh, doing your hermeneutic with apocalyptic literature, that you allow the scripture to interpret the scripture. And so this goes back to basically Genesis 1, where uh, God uh, placed the lights in the skies, the sun, the moon, the stars, you know, to give light. And uh, But now, here at the end of the age, the end of the, that final reckoning of the old creation, those things like the sun, the moon, and the stars will be darkened. They will literally be shaken. This is the unraveling of creation, the very last moment. And that's when the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory will appear. And the Son of Man here, this is a reference back to the book of Daniel, which is Jewish um, apocalyptic literature. And the Son of Man is the basically the one at the end of the age who has the authority to uh, cast judgment on the earth. And you see here Jesus is referencing himself as that figure who uh, gathers in the elect from the very four corners of the earth, from every aspect of it. And so uh, that's basically uh, kind of what's happening and, uh, and what Jesus is hitting on here. And he talks about a fig tree. And the reason why he uses a fig tree is the most uh, trees in the uh, Middle East are evergreen because it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a desert climate. And so, um, and the two that actually bloom are olives and figs. And olives always bloom early, but figs, when they bloom, you know it's about to get really, really, really hot. And so summer is near. And so you... 
when you begin to see these things taking place, well, you know that uh, the Son of Man is near. And yeah. uh, now he goes, he gets in here very tricky, and this is an important thing. Um, he says, truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass until these things have taken place. Now, that is kind of, that's the thing that threw off the Thessalonians. Uh, that is the thing that has thrown Christians off over and over and over again. And what is that kind of, what do you think he's getting at there, Aaron? Well, so like a lot of things in scripture, thanks, Jake, for throwing me that softball there. <laughs> uh, just nice and easy over the plate. I mean, I can, I can handle it. No, no, so, no, no, I've no, got I'm it. Just I've got it. I'm fine. I got it. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, this is, if you read the beginning of this passage, everything from verse 1 to verse 23, everything comes before this one, you realize that Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, and he gives this prophetic warning that this is going to happen. He's giving these words in the early 30s AD, and obviously this will happen about 40 years later um, when the Romans come in and just raise yeah. the temple to the ground and, and wipe out a lot of Jerusalem. So... Uh, there's some very specific things that Jesus says there. Uh, and so he's kind of launching from that to this uh, more apocalyptic cosmic view of things. But like a lot of things in scripture, he's got uh, kind of things happening on multiple levels and multiple yeah. layers at the same time. So he is talking about something that will happen in about four decades. He is also talking about what will happen at the end of the age. He's also, in some sense, talking about his own death and resurrection, which is, yes. which is right around the corner. And so he's saying, uh, and of course, it's uh, important to remember that to God, all time is now. So, so, all, so you know, we, we read this passage in two wooden and rigid a manner if we're just saying this is a passage about Jesus talking about what people have called the rapture or or just the end of the age or whatever like it's it's um so when he says in verse 3 truly this generation will not pass away until these things have taken place he's talking about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD so yes people that he's are hearing this will still be alive when that happens yes people will be alive when he is crucified and when he rises from the dead um, and all that is happening. But, you know, uh, and in terms of his future coming, you know, this generation will not pass away. There's a very real sense in which that is talking about the whole church, uh, you know, all of us in the body of Christ. And so it's all those things happening. But again, if you read it too literally, like even some of his own audience did, you come away with this, like checking your watch and seeing if Jesus is like, is he, is he here yet? Is he here yet? Is he here yet? And that's why, again, like you said, the Thessalonians and other early Christians were surprised when people died before Jesus returned. And they said, wait a second, he said we wouldn't die before we've seen these things taking place. But they, again, like many of us, were not always the best students of scripture and, and missed some of these multiple layers. So, you know, God bless you, dear listener, for having Jake and me to straighten this out for you. Amen. Well, um, I think that then ultimately you begin to see once again what Advent is all about. And and I think uh, powerfully what liturgy is actually all about and uh, what liturgy and the beginning of a liturgical year is all about. And that is to pull you, uh, not to bring uh, Jesus into your life, but to be reminded that uh, Jesus has brought you into his life hmm. and into his story. And, uh, and so, therefore, um, Advent then becomes this powerful tool, and this first Sunday of Advent becomes this powerful tool to remind us uh, 
to wake up. Mm-hmm. You know, keep awake. It is so easy to uh, fall asleep, and a lot of us have fallen asleep to, uh, you know, endless cycles of 24-hour news. A lot of us have fallen asleep to uh, the immediate worries of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have fallen asleep to reading our social media fade, uh, pages nonstop, and you know, being and being so busy being right on those pages. Um, and what um, Advent One reminds us through this scripture, as Jesus says, is to wake up, mm. keep awake, you know. Um, uh, it is really easy as we begin to move through kind of this long, long year uh, to fall asleep and to lose hope. But um, Advent and this gospel reading reminds us that God has brought you into his story. Mm. Uh, he will not forsake you. He's coming again for you. So wake up. Isn't that a Rage Against the Machine song? Wake up. I think it might be. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah Zach De La Rocha. Anyways. I love that, dude. That is old, great. People. Yeah, so he is? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy. So he doesn't say, he doesn't look a day over 49. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But he's yeah. he's a he's a he's still awesome when he's on Run the Jewels. It just yeah. he gets my heart pumping. So, so uh Put that in your Advent playlist, uh, little little Rage Against the Machine, uh, wake up. But that is that is the call of this season, is to be aware that all the stuff that you see around you immediately, although it may be bad, just like it was bad in Jesus' day, there is uh, a God who is going to tear open the heavens and come down and will, will give you and me, and especially Jake, the help that he so desperately needs. Mm. Amen. Well... This uh, is a great place to kick off uh, the first Sunday of Advent. Have a happy Advent, everyone. And, um, and, uh, <laughs> and God bless you. Peace. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. He gets my heart pumping. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but... Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll.